everyone. Kareem Ray here. Today we have Doug Irwin, who is the Vice Chairman and Chief Brand Officer of Greenville Trump Soccer Club. Doug, how's it going today? Going well. Naturally, my dog would start barking as soon as the podcast starts. But uh, but no, it's, it's going well, Kareem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's very I'm very excited to have you on. Um, but can you just take us a little bit back in time and, and share um, your career journey of how you became the vice president, uh, vice chairman, and CBO at Greenville Trump Soccer Club. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I have a background um, kind of in in marketing, uh, branding, advertising. Um, since uh, since I graduated from college, I, I spent some time in Washington D.C. Um, really, kind of fell fell in love with soccer around that time. That was around the 2010 World Cup. Um, and and getting to watch all that as and that was kind of really the first first world cup that i that i was totally engrossed in um at, at 22 years old and uh, uh then went to a couple dc united games that was the first real uh pro soccer i had ever been to um moved back to south carolina um where i was born and raised uh, in greenville uh in 2012 and was in marketing uh, and advertising for for a number of years, uh, including some uh, working with the the baseball team in town um, on some kind of sports marketing. That was my first real exposure to sports marketing. Uh, and, and then uh, in twenty um, late twenty seventeen, I guess uh, early twenty eighteen, uh, we heard that United Soccer League was looking at Greenville for a. Um, for a potential USL League One team as they were getting ready to launch uh, what was then called USL D3. And they were looking for um, ownership groups. And so uh, they, had, they had come to my dad about being a potential investor owner. And um, my dad and I really felt like uh, this was something that we really needed in Greenville, South Carolina and in our, in our region. And um, after about six months of looking at the business side and, um, you know, the potential and how we were going to make this work, we decided to, uh, to acquire the franchise rights. And we announced in, in early 2018. And, um, you know, we took our background in, in marketing and advertising and combined it with uh, uh, hiring Chris Lewis, who was uh, somebody who was already operating as the president of a sports team in Greenville. And he had the experience of, of running a sports team day to day. And we hired Chris for that day to day sports management experience and uh then we were we were off and running um had about a year from the announcement before we played our first game nice so what was it about usl1 that was very attractive to you and your dad to make the decision to pursue uh the opportunity to acquire a professional soccer team yeah um you know i think it was the proven track record of of success that the usl had um you know being around in, in some form or fashion for a couple decades and then we had you know we'd seen the growth of of the championship and the the heights that they had, had risen to especially in the last five years leading up to when we talked to them um you know that that got our attention and i i think you know they were they were clear about what they wanted the market sizes they were they were looking at um you know how passionate they were about bringing true professional soccer to communities of our size you know we we'd had a couple semi pro teams come through in the upstate over the years before that um and and some some you know kind of lower level amateur teams as well and um you know we we knew that there was an appetite for that um but 
but we knew it was going to take the the right opportunity, the right league, a strong league office, uh, you know, a, a business model that um, that sh- could show some success down the road and a path to profitability, certainly. And, um, you know, I, I think we, we heard some of the other markets they were looking at, some of the ones they had announced or were close to announcing and um, you know, we, we felt like they were, uh, they were the ones to, to make the move with and, and we're very happy we did. They've continued to, um, grow at a, at a great rate. And, uh, we've seen the growth of, of league one, uh, you know, continue to be on the up and up. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's where it started. And I think there was a good comfortability there. And, and, uh, you know, we were excited that one of the things that they, we're keen on and are still keen on as they're trying to expand the league is regional rivalries. And, um, you know, we, as from a business model standpoint, the more bus trips and less plane trips, the better. Um, so, you know, we're excited to see that continue to grow. And it was fun to, to come into the league as the second team announced along with tournament FC and Statesboro only a couple hours away. And to be able to build on that with teams in Chattanooga and Charlotte and, um, you know, get, getting getting some other uh, new teams coming on that are a couple hours away in Knoxville and Lexington. Uh, I think I think the prospect of that was was a big thing for us as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, when I spoke to Matt Retta from the league, uh, you know, he mentioned that there's so much juice and orange to squeeze out in the United States market. So it's very exciting. Um, with saying that, how long did it take for you guys to make a decision whether you guys were going to join the league or not join the league? Yeah, um, you know, it, it was probably five or six months. And that was, um, you know, it was having a lot of conversations with not just people at the league, because they were great at getting us, um, getting us information and, and, you know, giving out the pro formas and, and um, showing, showing a business model for us. But we talked to, um, we talked to a lot of other people in market, you know, in terms of trying to gauge some potential sponsor interest. Um, you know, we talked, uh, uh, we talked to a lot of other people at other sports teams, um, which would, and not just soccer teams, um, you know, across, across all levels, I think, um, we were, we were trying to get information from other people who had been in the space and had helped grow the sport at some of the lower levels. Um, I know Chris Lewis and I went on a kind of a mini tour of four or five places, uh, different, again, different levels, some USL, some major league soccer, uh, we spent a lot of time with Atlanta United, who's been a fantastic success story, you know, on and off the field. Um, spent time with Darren Eels, who's who's now back um, back in the EPL. But um, I think I think we were looking for the kind of proof of concept. And and again, you know, Atlanta United and, and Greenville Triumph are on a different level. But some of the the approach that organizations like Atlanta had were were ones that we wanted to replicate on a level, you know, more appropriate there. So that that process was a lot of it and and then you know i i think we thought okay we'll get done with this process and we'll have all this information in front of us and we'll be 100% like yes let's do it this is all good but but even at the end of the process it's still a huge leap of faith um you know when we announced the team we didn't have a coach we didn't have players we didn't have front office outside of chris and myself we didn't have a place to play so we announced the team in in mid March of 2018, and we know we're going to have games in late March 2019. So there was, even though we felt comfortable enough to say yes, we knew we had a ton of stuff to figure out before um, before we ever kicked the ball. That's that's really interesting. I think um, it was probably pretty fun for you guys to to pull all those pieces together uh, pretty quickly after announcing the team. But I would I would assume once you guys made that announcement. Um, 
out to the universe that um, everything came uh, towards you guys and, and towards opportunities, coaches, scouts, players, all the pieces just came into play, I'm assuming. Is that right? Yeah, you get you get a lot of that coming out of the woodwork. Um, you know, I think we around the time we announced a little bit before one of the things that that made us confident in our decision was, uh, um, you know, seeing that there had been a petition that had over a thousand signatures of people wanting to bring pro soccer to the upstate. That was one of the things that got the uh, the USL's attention about Greenville specifically. And um, so, you know, after the announcement, yeah, you get a lot of those people coming out, the, the pent up demand that the season ticket deposits, you know, with phones ringing off the hook the first couple of days, people wanting to put down deposits on season tickets, uh, you know, lots of businesses that um, wanted to take a leap of faith with us too, where they had connections to the soccer community or the fans of soccer and they, they wanted to be sponsors and uh, you know, people around town that wanted to work with us to, to help get things up, it, you know, is that, that kind of support early on was especially humbling because we hadn't, we hadn't proven anything yet. Um, you know, I think, uh, we brought some credibility having, having Chris on board as president. Um, you know, my, my, my dad's decades in the, in the Greenville business community, he, he brings credibility that, that I think gets people's attention, but, um, you know, there, there was still a lot to prove. And then, uh, we, you know, after that, we had to figure out a brand because when we launched, we didn't have a team name or anything like that. We were just Greenbelt Pro Soccer and we had to get a coach and wanted to bring credibility with that. But, but I think that initial, that initial reaction and excitement from fans and the business community was, was very validating. Nice. Did you guys put together the campaign in regards to how many people wanted to bring uh, professional soccer to Greensville? We, you know, we did not put together the campaign. It was, it was an independent campaign that existed before, before us. And I think, again, that was, you know, um, you look for the true grassroots nature of this, uh, someone has to come in and, and get the franchise and, and, um, you know, and pay for it and all that. But, but it was something that we, we felt was given the growth that Greenville has had and, and really the surrounding area outside of Greenville too, across the upstate. Uh, you know, we knew it was a dynamic market that would the the growth would suit. Um, you know, bringing in other sports teams, specifically soccer, that's skewing towards young affluent people. Um, you know, that lines up with the growth of Greenville. But but seeing that fan support and 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 again knowing that whether the Irwin family is the one to do it or not, there's an appetite for pro soccer, um, and 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 that's going to be here. That was here before us. Uh, it'll be here after us and, and, you know, being able to do that, because I, I think that there's such a difference when, when that early support, uh, is genuine, you know, you, you, there's a, there's a fine line you have to walk with supporter culture and, uh, you, you know, you, you want to have a good relationship with, uh, fans and supporters, but, uh, you know, it can't be all the team forcing stuff down fans throat and i think that's that's what was i was so excited about was hey here's this kind of built-in supporter group fan base that they're here and they're going to support us because they're just excited to see pro soccer and we're going to meet with them and forge a path with them but they've got this they've got this group of people they know how they want to run things they know they know how they want to support a team we don't have to try and force that create it from scratch and, and again shove it down their throat and and make this you know stale fabricated support your cult, support supporter culture excuse me it's real it's there it's authentic 
we've just got to give them the avenue. And I, I think that that was a key too. Is is again, we're just, just creating the opportunity. That's what we wanted to do. We don't want to come in and and you know dictate everything. We want to create the opportunity for people to interact with the game um, in the upstate. If if we can do that, that's great. Uh, you know, we don't we don't need to to spell out every single thing of how we're going to do game day experience, what the chance are going to be, or anything like that. We just want to give people the platform, uh, and I think we've been very successful at that. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the game. I love the game. Played the game. I mean, it's amazing to be on this side to to interview uh, someone like yourself and other people across USL, um, you know, coaches, scouts, agents, and so on and so forth. Um, with saying that, I want to dive into the structure. Were you a part of the, with um, structuring the ownership and what type of entity that you guys were going to use, um, whether it was like an LLC, series LLC, to set everything up? Are you able to share um, a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's not a ton of earth, earth shattering stuff to to mention. You know, we we incorporated as an LLC, um, Greenville Pro Soccer, and um, that was, you know, again, not having a not having a brand yet, but uh, you know, we're a we're a for profit company. Um, we uh, we we have that LLC. We have a separate LLC that uh, relates to some stadium stuff, some venue things that we had done. Um, in, in terms of help, how we built our stadium. Um, but, but yeah, Greenville, Greenville press soccer LLC, we're, we're it. Um, and you know, we, one of the things we, we wanted to make sure we left room to do and, and we're not quite to the finish line with it yet, but, but is to have some charitable component. Um, and, and so we do have a, uh, we do have a nonprofit entity that we're, uh, you know, building that's going to be the Granville Triumph and Liberty Foundation, or but we don't know what we're going to call it yet. But, um, but you know, we've we've already been doing some uh, really a lot of charity work throughout the the first four and a half uh, years of the the franchise. But we are looking to expand that and start a true foundation uh, across the next year or two. So we will have a five hundred one c three that'll have that involved. But um, you know, we it was incorporating as a business and joining the chamber of commerce and following all the steps you would if we were an insurance company or any anything else um to to get incorporated and um you know then the the brand uh of of triumph would come uh later on and, and get trademarked and and all that nice so you got to see this from like the ground up to where it is now um you know, going in, um, did you guys get all the, you know, the city involved? Like, how did you guys go about getting the city involved? Did you guys already have those connections, the politicians, so on and so forth? How did you guys go about creating those relationships or if you guys already have those relationships? Yeah, um, you know, we we had a lot of relationships with local business leaders, local politicians, again, just from uh, from my parents work in the, in the community, being business leaders in the community for um, for a number of decades. and. Um, so, so I think there was there was already a, a natural um, kind of working relationship there, and and being able to being able to tap into contacts when when you need something, um, that that was definitely helpful because again we had to we had to pull together a, a stadium solution and um, knowing that the, the stadium solution is not going to be the forever home, but we needed a place to play in a year and had to get creative with that. Uh, it, it was important to have those relationships for sure. And, and there's no way, you know, 
there's no way you can fake those relationships. They're just a general, uh, you know, genuine, authentic relationships that have built over uh, really 30 years of business for my mom and dad um, and, and, and myself a little bit at the end there. But um, just just knowing people and, and having the uh, having the integrity and, and high, you know, coming back to hiring Chris and people that have the connections and do things the right way and are respected. And, um, you know, when you come to them, know that there's no ulterior motive. We're just trying to, trying to work with you guys on a solution that's best for everyone. And, and, and I think it's important to, um, specifically to have a relationship with your chamber of commerce or your convention and visitors bureau, because, uh, you know, the sports teams are a thing that attracts people, um, from near and far, uh, you know, it, it, there, there is tourism that's on a smaller level, but there's tourism that comes with it. And there's, uh, you know, tax dollars, entertainment dollars that flow in because of a sports team. So we, we wanted to make sure that, um, the chamber and the CVB were, were on board with what we were doing so they could help lift us up because what we're doing, you know, is we're trying to represent Greenville and upstate South Carolina on a, a national and in, in some cases, international stage. Um, so, you know, I, I think back to um, this, you know, the little things that we do, like when all our games are on ESPN plus, and I made sure that when our games go in and out of break on ESPN plus that I've got, uh, you know, drone footage of downtown from the city that is showing, you know, showing the best of what Greenville has to offer. Cause hopefully somebody might be watching that game in another market and say, you know, Hey, I, that, that looks, that looks like a great place to be. I want to, you know, I want to come there for an away game next year. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm curious to know, you know, how many other USO clubs are doing that. I'm, I'm not, this is the first time I'm hearing about that. So that's, that's really cool. Um, it's, I would I would encourage everybody to do it. It's an easy call to somebody at City Hall and say, "Hey, can I use your B-roll footage of the city that you would show on a NCAA event or something?" You know, it's it's a great touch. Absolutely. I'm not too sure if you mentioned um your 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 dad's name and and what he did. I think you mentioned what the industry that you was in, but can you just repeat it again? Please? Yeah. Um. My uh my parents in the late '80s started an uh an advertising and, and marketing agency uh, called Erwin Penland. Um. It grew at its peak to about 400 people split between Greenville and, and New York City, uh, briefly had a small office in Detroit as well, and um, became one of the fastest growing and largest advertising agencies in the Southeast uh, and at the, at the peak of it. And, and they sold to a company out of Boston um, in the mid 2000s. And um, my, my mom retired shortly after that. And, and my dad continued on for about a about eight or nine years after um, after the the acquisition, uh, so you know again that that just d- doing a lot of work. Um, you know we were doing national work, but but local work too, and, and charity was very important. Being you know being involved in doing pro bono work for um, for the local United Way, the YMCA, uh, you name it. That was always a a big component of of the philosophy of the the agency, and and I think that you know again. Um, Seeing seeing large businesses invest, uh, you know, not just money but time and effort back locally. I think it would have been really easy as the agency was growing to say we're going to go to only national clients and we're not we don't have time for pro bono work. Or, but but they didn't. They you know made sure to do things locally and worked a lot with the baseball team. Worked a lot with those charities to to continue to make positive change in Greenville and the Upstate. And, and I think that 
that giving back is something that certainly was instilled in me um, and, and anybody who worked at Erwin Penland. It's the same philosophy we approach the soccer team. with. Yeah, got it. I'm really interested to know. I think I've asked this before, but I just want full clarity. Um, everyone that's a part of the USL Water USL Championship, do you guys, if you're able to share this, or do you guys like, um, like have calls like every quarter or anything like that, like Zoom calls or anything like that, and all share ideas and, and stuff, like things along those lines. Yeah, that's a great question, Kareem. And I think that that's one of the things that makes the USL great is, is they offer up a lot of those forums to to network with other teams and to share ideas. You know, it's 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 always such an interesting business model in sports because you know you don't you compete with the other teams in your league on the field, but off the field you're you're helping one another. Um, you know, you're and and you're you're trading ideas and um you know you're sharing your success stories and when somebody has something that's done well um you know the usl is is great about harnessing that and distributing that info to other teams so that we can replicate or put us you know put a spin in greenville on something because we we know that the, the health of the league is um you know a direct reflection of the health of the teams so uh you know if we can pass things along to, to other teams and, and get that info uh, we're we're all going to be better for it, and it's going to increase the value of of the teams to the community. It's going to increase the value of the teams to the league. Uh, it's going to increase the value of the league, and and on and on and on. So, yeah, it's um, you know, COVID kind of hampered that a little bit, but we but we have mid year meetings and winter meetings, and uh, beyond that, we have uh, in a lot of the specific departments, uh, we have monthly calls where where teams can share ideas, bounce ideas off one another and and again that 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 goes back to one of the many reasons we felt good about about the league and what they were offering that you know the the strong league office um is is important to sustainability and you know in a lot of the other both professional and semi-professional amateur leagues across the country you look at the turnover year to year of teams and it's uh, enormously high of teams folding and um, expanding and then moving and stuff. And, and there was much more staying power we felt in, in the USL and, and um, thing, things like that sharing of ideas and that camaraderie are, are an important reason that, that they're able to do that at such a, such a great level. Got it. So I'm interested to know about, you know, how you guys went about building the stadium. Is it a pop-up stadium or how did you guys go about that? Yeah, I, I guess technically it is a it is a pop up stadium. Um, you know, for for us it was um, we were we were looking around town, um, and we had we didn't have a ton of options. Um, you know, there were there were lots of things places that were suggested to us. Uh, I would say we probably looked at ten or twelve different venues, and uh, you know, you can't just look at the the stadium itself. You have to look at access parking. Uh, ability to do concessions, etc., and um, you know, for, for for what we were looking for, it was just hard because a lot of the things suggested to us were high school football stadiums, and, and you know, as you know, like most of them are not wide enough, um, and not just a lot of them we ran into. It wasn't just that the field wasn't wide enough, you know, because in some cases you can make a more narrow field work, but it was okay. Well. The, we can get the soccer field in there, but then it's six inches to a concrete wall. So how are you going to throw in? <laughs> Where are you going to put the benches? So 
um, you know, we, we, we were looking and looking and, and found, um, found a great turf soccer field at, at Legacy Early College, which is a charter uh, elementary, middle, and high school uh, in Greenville uh, on, on a campus of what was the first high school in, in Greenville County. Um, and they used to have a football field there and they turned it into a, a soccer only um, turf field. And uh, it was a great, you know, great field, uh, great turf. And um, we, more importantly, it had decent parking. I was close to downtown to our to our main street uh, area, and it had space around the field where we could bring in seats. So um, back to what you were saying about is it a pop up stadium? We, okay, so great, we have the field, we got locker rooms. Uh, you know, again, it, it's not it's not all to the ultimate standards of what we need in a forever home. You know, the locker rooms are tiny and don't work. The fan access is hard, etc. But it was. Plenty great for what we needed, and and, and Legacy is a school with a great mission, and, and something that we had been involved in before, and wanted to get involved in again, and could find a partnership where we could do some really unique things and shine a light on Legacy in that neighborhood. So, um, then the question was, okay, how many seats can we fit, and how are we going to do this? So, um, you know, we we got connected to a company called Seating Solutions. Now they're called In Production. That is a, a nationwide company that. Uh, does a lot of temporary sporting events. They do a lot of golf tournaments, tennis tournaments. Uh, they just did a Formula One race in Miami last year or earlier this year, excuse me. And so we find this company, oh man, we're blown away. This is this is the right solution. And come to find out that though the company is headquartered technically in New York, their their office and their warehouse is 25 minutes outside downtown Greenville of all the places in the country. So we're like, oh, this is too good to be true. Um, so we got connected with them. We we you know, set on a number of 4,000 seats. We wanted to do more than 4,000, but we couldn't really fit more than 4,000 um, given the constraints of the roads around the field. So we did, we did the best we could. Um, and, and they brought, uh, you know, we, we settled again, we were due to kick at the end of March and we didn't have this set until I think the start of December. So we were really up against it. Um, but, but the beauty of the, the pop-up stadium, I mean, they came and built the thing and, month and a half maybe uh if that and and some of that might have just been weather uh so so it's it's worked great for us and, and you know you're able to pick the different seating options so we had bleachers we had plastic seats we had the kind of pleathery uh seats we had field level seats and then standing room seats with the drink rail for the supporter section so uh you know we were we were able by by there not being a stadium or seating already around the field, it allowed us to get more creative than we than we probably would have gotten in a lot of places. Nice. Can you mention the company again? Yeah, they're called In Production now. Um, they used to be called Seating Solutions, um, but they were bought or merged, um, and and they've been fantastic. And and we've referred them on to some other teams, and um, they're uh, they're getting a lot of uses around the country right now. Yeah, no, I've had them on the podcast as well. It's pretty interesting. What yeah. they do. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's like, for sure. It's like Lego. You know, you put it up. You yeah. Take it so, you know, so this is not a home forever. Um, when do you guys plan to build a new stadium? We'd love to build one yesterday. Um, you know, we it's it's something we've been working on and, and frankly got delayed about a year and a half just because of COVID. We had, we had really kind of started the ball moving seriously on conversations um, in, in 2020, which was our second season, uh, after we kind of had that proof of concept of play in a year and, and COVID pushed things back. And, um, you know, we're, we got moving on it again last year and 
we um, we found uh, some interested parties, a, a developer and um, and a, a kind of suburb of Greenville and a, and a great development that we were really interested in. And uh, we, we made progress there. We pre- we pre- presented an initial kind of proposal to uh, to the county. Uh, it was voted down at the at the time uh, due to some just questions and, and some county politics that frankly didn't have much to do with us. Uh, it, it seemed, but um, you know, it, it, we weren't deterred by the no vote. It was a it was a roadblock, but um, we we didn't stop working after that. And we kind of have been retooling some things and continuing to work. And and we we're hopefully going to bring something forward back to to county council um, here when the, the new council is sat. Um, uh, I think they are seated about a month from now. So. It's it's something we're continuing to work every day on. Uh, we have we have a lot of people that are big supporters of it that are committed to it. Uh, you know, if, if if money grew on trees, if if we were um, insanely rich, we'd build the thing ourselves. But uh, we we can't we can't do that. Um, and and we don't we we don't want to be something that is just a stadium that sits there and we play some soccer games and it gets done. We we want something that can be an asset to the community and used for a lot more than soccer. And um, we've got some partners in the project that feel strongly about that, about using it for more than just soccer um, and, and frankly, using it for more than just sports and more than just music, too. So um, so it's something we're, we're still really excited about. And, um, you know, we even though we had the setback with the vote last year, we think we're closer to it now than we were. Uh, than we were last year, uh, you know, pending pending how things go when we get back in front of council. But, uh, you know, I think it'd be our goal to start construction and be able to phase in construction and, and try and get in, in there in 2024 or 2025. Uh, we've seen a lot of other teams in the USL work in phased construction stadiums. Uh, Chattanooga's done it in, in League One, uh, and, and they're building a great stadium. Uh, Statesboro uh, just got in there. Tormenta got in there for a couple games and won a championship in, in their uh, you know stadium. So uh, we think there's we think there's great possibility. We think there's a great appetite for it. Uh, we're excited about the future of it, um, and and hopefully. Uh, the rest of this winter and early spring will will hold some good news on the stadium front for us because you know I, I think we all know from the business side um, that's when you really get the the giant leap in terms of the business model and the sustainability of the team. Um, you know, you look at the path to profitability um, and and what you're able to do. You know, in terms of being able to to schedule your games, program the correct nights. Um, to look at the Liberty, our women's team, which is currently a semi-pro team. And, you know, could we maybe take them professional down the road? Uh, maybe if we're in a venue where we've got more control over availability, uh, that's that's the first domino. But, uh, you know, we, we know the thing to make this team uh, sustainable, long-lasting, and and to keep the growth going is is the stadium situation. So, um, yeah, we're, we're hard at work. Absolutely. I'm excited to see that come to life in the near future. There's so many questions to ask. I want to be very respectful of your time. Um, but I definitely do want to get this on, on the record as well. In 2018, you helped the club win multiple league awards in marketing and communication and were recognized as one of uh, Greenville Business Magazine's best, quote, best and brightest 35 and under in 2022. Um, I would ask uh, some questions around this, but you know what, um, Doug, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. and. And, um, you know, talking about the beautiful game that we love. I, I also see the NFL or the football or baseball behind you. We have a little college football. We got Ken Griffey. 
the goat. Um, so yeah, we're, we're at the home office today. We got, we got about every sport, uh, in this room around the place, but, uh, but my, my Clemson Tigers hold a, a, a special, uh, special place in my heart. So there's a lot of Clemson stuff around the room. And, uh, we were, we were the defending men's soccer national champions at Clemson there for a while and, and, uh, you know, didn't get it this season, but, uh, but a strong soccer background too. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I, I would love to have a part two if you're open to that, but if anything, sure, I'm going to just close this off. Um, and thank you for taking the time for joining us on the One Soccer Nation podcast. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.